0: I get to introduce our very special speaker this morning. Who said that? Somebody's excited. Do you know who it is? Oh, okay. See, look at that. Zach is going to share the word this morning, but I just wanted to preface all of that with um, just how much I love Zach as a friend and a brother. Um, He faithfully leads us every Sunday in worship and um, this morning, I know that there's lots of hours and prayer that go into just the worship set, and um, he had to do that as well as prepare a word. And so I'm excited to hear what what God is going to speak through you, and I just want to say that um, I am so thankful to have you as a friend and a brother and a worship leader. And our church has the great privilege of having you as um, one of our worship leaders because you faithfully and so well, I don't know what the proper word is, but you do it well leading us into the presence of God. And so we um, just want to give you honor this morning as you come and lead us in the word of God.
1: Well, thank you. That's humbling. It's always humbling to preach. Um, it's one thing to stand somewhere where you're comfortable um, and and do something that you love. And uh, I love preaching because I love studying, <laughs> but I don't like the actual part of delivering the sermon because it's a huge burden. And um, it's very humbling to stand in a pulpit um, in the shoes of a wonderful pastor that we have that uh, knows who he is in God and knows what he's about and faithfully delivers a good word. And I don't use those words lightly. He delivers a good word. Um, and not just pastor, also Kiki and Joe. And so um, I take this responsibility uh, very seriously and uh, I'm humbled this morning. A few weeks back, a uh, pastor asked me to speak and he said, I want you to talk about praise, specifically um, our worship time in our church services, and so what we do on a a Sunday morning and talk about that and and what we're aiming at, and I was like, all right, I'll do it, Um, and those were pretty much my exact words, I'll do it, and then as I got to thinking about it, you know, you have all these ideas and things in your heart, um, but I was like, man, Lord, if I have to articulate this to our church, um, I want to make sure that I can say it right, and uh, so I'm going to fight to stay with my notes this morning because... um, if you've ever been in children's church, you might know that I'm prone to t- rabbit trails <laughs> and uh, making things longer than they ought to be. And so that is not the goal this morning. So um, if I seem like I'm fighting to stay with my notes, it's because they are what needs to be said. So let's uh, let's pray this morning and then uh, we'll get into the word. So, Father, we come to you this morning. And as we um, turn our eyes to your word, help us to grasp what it is you're wanting to say to us. Help us to understand it lord help it to sink in deep to our hearts um, help us to make uh right application help us to understand what it means what it means for us what we're supposed to do and then lord um by the power of your spirit will you help us to uh apply it and do it um god we want to we want to follow you wherever you lead us i need your help this morning to say that which you put on my heart so i'm um, not my words but your lord in jesus name amen so turn in your bibles to ephesians chapter 5 we're going to be reading verses 15 through 20 and this verse is massive um, there's a lot being said here and we're going to focus on just a couple of verses specifically of verse verses 19 and 20 at the very end but um, in thinking about what was needed to be said this morning um, i i consider this a great jumping off point and i was between Ephesians 5 and also Colossians 3 15 because they're they're very very similar passages um, and they it's very much echoed um, in both what what both passages are saying so we're actually going to wind up reading both of them Uh, we'll go to Colossians a little bit later I'm going to use a lot of Bible verses this morning so I will give you the references and the addresses I've got them in my notes so I don't have to Switch through, um, flip through the Bible. Um, but if you miss any of them, please find me after the service. I'm happy to happy to share it with you. Um, so, the point of my sermon, at the very end of this, when we get done, this is what I want you to take away from it. We ought to praise the Lord. So everybody, let's just say that together. We ought to praise the Lord. Let's make it personal. I ought to praise the Lord. One more time. I ought to praise the Lord. That's the point. The end. Amen. Kiki, come dismiss. <laughs> So all the next words (laughs) over the next few moments are trying to get to that point. We ought to praise the Lord. And I'm going to do my best to encourage us. And when I talk about praise this morning, um, I'm talking about our corporate praise time. I'm not talking about personal praise. You can't clearly... Make a black and white distinction between those two because your personal praise is offered when we come together you guys understand that but i'm not talking about our personal praise just i'm talking about our corporate praise so you're going to battle with me in your minds as i make some of these statements and when you do and you're like well zach there's so much more to it yes i understand there is so much more to it but this morning our focus is on our corporate praise so um Whatever I leave out, put it in your notes and you can preach it next time. It's going to be, it'll be good. Um, I want to talk about this word ought for just a moment. We ought to praise the Lord. Now, ought is a a small word that packs a punch. Um, If you're from down south where I'm from, you hear something like this. You ought to go clean your room. And if mama says you ought to go clean your room, she's saying it's in your best interest to go clean your room. Because if I have to tell you, go clean your room, it's going to be bad. So you ought to clean your room. You ought to pay your taxes, right? What else? What else we ought we to do? You ought to obey your parents. You ought to drive the speed limit. God help me. There's so many things we ought to do, and it can be as minor or as major as you want it to be. But the more and more personal it gets and the more and more um, we get into the, the commands of God ought to. Becomes more and more serious. And it really begins to pack a punch. So Webster's defines the word ought like this. It's used to express obligation. Advisability. Natural expectation. Or logical consequence. It's used to express obligation. Advisability. Natural expectation. Or logical consequence. And church this morning. We ought to praise the Lord. You Ought to praise the Lord. So let's dive into this. We're going to start at verse 15 in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writing here says this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That sounds simple. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that passage is so closely echoed in Colossians chapter 3. So I'm going to read my intro to you this morning. It says, praise and worship are large themes to discuss Because they touch every area of our life. And while it's true, capital T, that we ought to praise the Lord in er every area of our life, this morning we're going to narrow our focus to praise in our church family gatherings. And more specifically, in our church services. We're going to look at why we praise and what we are aiming at. My hope is that we will be challenged to offer our breast praise to God. Because, church, we ought to praise the Lord. Um, I want to make a distinction between praise and worship for the, the purpose of our topic this morning, For this, for what we're talking about here. And worship is your lifestyle. And there's all kinds of verses in the Bible. We can't even begin to scratch the surface of that in this moment. So worship is more about who you are and what you do. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Praise this morning, when I'm saying praise, I'm talking specifically about an act of praise, a song, a hymn. We read it in verse 19, a spiritual song, giving thanks to the Lord. One of my favorite things is when it says in, uh, in verse 20, it says, um, let me find it here. Sing and make. Oh, yeah. Verse 19. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. That word make music. Um, I can't. I'll butcher the Greek, but it literally means to twang. Or pluck a stringed instrument like there's some people that say we shouldn't use instruments in our worship. And I'm like, well, Paul says differently. And I get to twang and pluck every Sunday in our in our services. And so this is talking about a physical act of praise lifting our voices, dancing. There's all kinds of expressions of worship or all kinds of expressions of praise. And I'm not here to tell you which one to do this morning. I'm here to challenge you that you ought to praise and you ought to offer your best. We ought to praise the Lord and we ought to offer our best. So let me ask you this question. I want to open the floor for a minute. Why should we praise the Lord? Somebody, somebody help me out. Someone that's brave, willing to. Dean. It's what we're made to do? Okay, that's our purpose. That's good. A A plus, Dean. Anyone else? Come on, Miss Paula. He's worthy. All right, good. Ryan. It opens us up. Good. Josh. It's good for the soul. It's like chicken soup. What else? Anybody? Come on. What 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 does it mean for you to praise the Lord? Why is it good for you to praise the Lord? It brings peace. He likes it. All right, Corey. Okay, it helps you focus on your relationship with God. Reminds you of that. Those are good things. You know, there's a problem in our culture, and this is why I'm starting with this question, why should we praise the Lord? There's a problem in our culture where there's a lot of teaching in um, a lot of places that talks about praise and worship, and most of the time when they talk about why you should praise, you'll get quick answers, which we got this morning, which are good. We're made for it. It's our purpose. It's good. But then you start to hear they quickly move from the point of why we should praise to the benefits of praise. It opens our soul. It brings peace. All of those things. You guys could think if we started to sit here and think about the benefits of praise and we started to talk about the psychology of thanksgiving and gratitude and all of that, we would come up with a infinite amount of reasons that are benefits to praising. Do you understand? But all of those benefits are second things. I'm going to say that again. All of the benefits of praise are second things. They are not the point. The point is this. We ought to praise the Lord. And why ought we to praise the Lord? Because he deserves it. Because he is worthy. And because he commands it. We ought to praise the Lord, church. We ought to praise the Lord because He deserves it, because He's worthy, and because He commands it. Everything else, everything else is a benefit. And the benefits are infinite. We're going to reap them. But they're not the point. The point is He is worthy. He deserves it. He commands it. We ought to praise the Lord. Why is it that we should praise the Lord? priorities 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 we need to have our priorities straight Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 we get the 10 commandments and somebody help me out what's the first commandment love your God God told the Israelites you need to love the God, love me and put me first because if not you will worship idols the reason we're supposed to love God first is because we are going to praise something We're going to shout. We're going to clap our hands. We were created to praise. We ought to praise. But more than that, we ought to praise the Lord because he is worthy of it and because he commands it. The first command, you shall have no other gods before me. God is first. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 5, this is the Shema. Uh, We've memorized this with our kids and I encourage you to memorize it as a Christian. Memorize it with your family. It says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. How are we supposed to love him? With all our heart, with all our soul, with all of our strength. Jesus echoes this, and I love it. In Mark chapter 12, the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus. Jesus gives a really good answer. And So one of the Pharisees looks at him and says, All right, tough guy, what do you think the greatest commandment is? And Jesus replies with this. He says the Shema, but he adds something to it. He says it like this, Mark chapter 12, verse 29. He says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So he says the Shema, but then he adds something to it. Who's he add to it? Our neighbor. Well, then some other guy later on is going to ask him, well, who's my neighbor? And we get the story of the Good Samaritan. But I want to tell you this morning in our fellowship of our church family, look to your left, look to your right. That's your neighbor. You cannot love God. You cannot love God. You cannot Praise God with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, unless you love your neighbor as yourself. You can't separate the two. Jesus put them together and he put them together for eternity. Church, we have to love each other. You cannot praise God without having your heart right with him and having your heart right with others. That's why God said, if you go to the, if you go to the temple to make your sacrifice, and all of a sudden you remember you got some, a problem with somebody, what are we supposed to do? Leave it there. Go fix it. Leave it there. Go fix it. We ought to praise the Lord because he commands it. And if we're going to praise God, we're going to have to love each other. We can't separate those two. So we're starting to get into a little bit of the reason why it's important for us to praise as a family. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says this. That writer of Hebrews says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name through Jesus. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Right there in chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews is laying out a case how Jesus is our great high priest. And because Jesus made one time sacrifice, we are now priests. Everybody agree with that? Good. If you've read, read Hebrews, we are now priest and so it is our job to offer a continual sacrifice jesus made us right we're supposed to offer a continual sacrifice and what is that sacrifice supposed to be a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that openly profess his name Psalms 150 says this, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for the acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and the lyre, praise him with the timbrel, yeah, and dancing, praise him with the strings and pipe, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with the resounding cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord praise the Lord. Church, we ought to praise the Lord. Why ought we to praise the Lord? I wasn't going to preach, but I'm preaching. Why ought we to praise the Lord? Because he deserves it. Because he is worthy. And because he commands it. Because he commands it. We ought to praise the Lord. Guys, he is worthy of our praise this morning. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our best praise. That's the why. Let's talk about our aim a little bit. So what are we aiming at when we come in on a Sunday morning? I was blessed by the call to worship. I was like, Lord, I don't even have to preach. Kiki's done it for me. What's the aim when we walk in here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night? Anytime we come together and we're going to have an opportunity to praise. What's the aim? The aim is to praise the Lord. Why? Because... We ought to praise the Lord, but there's a lot of benefits to it. And this is the aim in praising the Lord. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. I'm going to read it for you here. Colossians 3, verse 15 through 16 says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the message of Christ, verse 16, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs. Songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. He's talking about offering true praise. He's talking about encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ. Encouraging them with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. All while singing praise to God. What what Paul's talking about here is offering true praise. And we know that we should offer true praise. Because if we ought to praise the Lord, our praise ought to be good, right? And if our praise ought to be good, it's going to have to be true. True praise will inspire our family while giving glory to God. True praise will inspire our family while giving glory to God. What's the aim? What's the aim when we come? The end goal is to give God glory. Why? Because we ought to praise the Lord. Why? Because he's worthy. He deserves it. He commands it. That's the aim. And it should also inspire our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me ask you this. When was the last time somebody inspired you with their worship? I want you to think about it. Have you ever been inspired by somebody else's worship? I know I sure have. I know I sure have. I I think it's very important that we watch other people when we worship. We're going to talk about that in a moment. When was the last time your worship inspired somebody else. When was the last time? You praised in a way where you left your best. And then inspired somebody. I'm I'm not trying to. Shove pins in your heart. This morning. I had to respond to this my, the same way. But this is true. We can't offer true praise to God without. Building up. The brothers and sisters in Christ specifically when we praise in the congregation remember that's the focus this morning when we come together and praise we ought to give glory to God and the glory that we give ought to be offered in a way where it inspires people around us guess who's the last person on that list think about it come on somebody say it self self doesn't even come to the end of the equation except for you've made the decision that you're going to be obedient to it True praise will inspire our family while giving God glory. That's the aim. So what is true praise? We ought to praise the Lord. We ought to offer true praise. True praise is three things. It's praising rightly. It's praising sincerely. And it's praising completely. Praising rightly. Praising sincerely. Praising completely. How do we pray rightly John chapter 4 verse 23 you guys will remember this Jesus is having a conversation with the woman at the well and she tries to throw a red herring and get get off in a discussion that wasn't the point and Jesus is magnificently brings it back to the point and he starts preaching and prophesying he said the time is coming and is now here verse 23 says this yet a time is coming and is now come when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So how do we worship rightly? How do we offer right praise? True praise is right praise. How do we offer right praise? First, we have to be true worshipers. What makes you a true worshiper? What makes me a true worshiper? What can qualify us to do this? It's very simple. The first thing is a right relationship with God. You've got to be made right with God. That's how you offer true praise. That's how you inspire your family. You have to have a right relationship with God. You have to have right intentions. You can't just offer up something haphazard because it's on the screen. You've got to engage your mind, and You have to have the intent to praise. Thirdly, you have to have right actions. True worshipers are people that have right relationship, right intentions, and right actions. God cares about our heart. He also cares about what we do. It's not either or. It's both and. Pastor says that all the time. It's both. We have to have right intentions and right actions. We have to be right with God. If we want to be people that offer up true praise, we have to be true worshipers. How are we made right with God? Confess the Lord. Jesus is the son of God and you accept salvation. Then you determine in your heart, God, I'm going to live for you, whatever that means. I'm going to follow you in simple obedience. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Right relationship, right intentions, right actions. I want to talk to you for a moment about David. First Chronicles chapter 13 through 16. I love this passage in the Bible because David Man, after God's own heart, he's, he's got this great task he's about. He's trying to get the ark back into Jerusalem. Remember, it was stolen by the Philistines. Crazy story. Pastor touched on it last week. And they try to bring it in the first time. And, and he's got all the right intentions, guys. He's got right relationship. He's the king, the anointed king. He's got the right relationship. He's got the right intentions. And so he says, we're going to bring the ark in. So they throw it up on a cart because that makes the most practical sense. Whoa. So you're saying practical isn't always right. Dog gone. That's hard on our American culture because practical is supreme sometimes in our culture. God's not worried about practical. He's worried about obedience. David and then they throw it up on a cart. The ox stumbles. I wonder how that happened. The ark tips. Guy sticks up his hand. What happens to him? He dies. David feels defeated. They take it up. They put it at somebody's house. And it sits there for a while. And, and David's like, God, I can, I just, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This is Zach's version of David and God's prayer. All I want to do is praise you. I tried my very best. I tried my very best. I'm trying to do the right thing. I got everybody motivated, the whole country. And you killed a guy. How, how can we approach you? How can we approach you? See, David thought he had given he had done the right thing. He thought he had offered his best. But he says this. He says this to the priest before they are making a second attempt. Bringing this in. He's he's getting everything ready. They're getting ready to bring the. Bring the ark in. He goes the first time this didn't work out. And this is what he said. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. Who's him? God. David's like, we got all excited about what to do. We didn't ask. And who we were doing it for. We had had all the right heart. We had all the right intentions. We didn't ask in the prescribed way. Now, the prescribed way for them, is that the same for us today? No, absolutely not. We're going to see that in a little bit. But if you remember how they brought that ark in, They took seven steps, and they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. They took a few more steps, and they made sacrifices again from that house all the way. Guess who's carrying the ark this time? It's not up on a cart. It's being carried by the Levites. See, David was trying to do the right thing, but he was doing it the wrong way. And this is what I want, the whole point of this. I don't want to continue to to get bogged down in this spot. But the whole point of this is we have to have right relationship We have to have right intentions. We have to have right actions. With God, the ends never justifies the means. With God, the ends never justify the means. It's do it it the right thing. Do it the right way. Hands down. It's like, oh, well, that worked out. That's not going to work with God. Well, it worked out. No, it didn't. Not if you didn't do it the right way. didn't work out for Uzzah who stuck his hand up there. And that's the seriousness of the God that we're that we're praising. He's that holy. He's that worthy. Is God worth the effort David had to expend to get the ark to praise rightly? Was God worthy of that? Yes or no? Yeah, he was worthy of it. Guess who knew he was worthy of it? God did. God said, you can't praise me that easily. You can come Come freely, come rightly. We have to offer true praise for that to be true. We have to have right relationship and intentions and actions. I want to talk to you about somebody else that praised the Lord and praised rightly, though. In Luke chapter seven, verse thirty-six through fifty, Jesus is eating supper at one of the Pharisees' houses, and the heading in the verse, if you look at it, talks about the sinful woman with the alabaster jar. And you've heard the story. She comes in. She's crying. She's weeping. What does she do? She washes Jesus' feet with her tears. Wipes them with their hair and anoints him. It's a beautiful story. It moves me every time because she had right relationship. That was happening in that moment. God was going to forgive her. Jesus was forgiving her sins. She had right relationship. She had right intentions and she had right actions. Now, what's the difference between her actions and David's actions? The Holy Spirit was moving on her. She says, I have to do Something, And if I'm going to do something, if God is worthy, he's worthy of my best. So I'm going to give him my best. That's what the sinful woman, let's change her name, the forgiven woman offered Jesus. She was a true worshiper because her heart was right. Her intentions were right. Her actions were right. She was offering her best. David had to learn the hard way. Don't come at me with some ox cart. You're the king of Israel. What do you have at your disposal? Worship me, praise me and praise me rightly. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Yes, he is. We ought to praise the Lord. And to do that, we have to be true worshipers. True worshipers are going to have to do it in front of critics. Real quickly, you guys remember. Remember. The same story with David. He's bringing the city in. He's bringing the ark into the the city. And if you go to Second Samuel, you hear about Michael's response. Anybody remember what she did? She looked at David. He was what dancing in his underwear. I got three little boys at my house that refuse to wear shirts and shorts. They love to run around in their underwear. And sometimes I despise them, especially when they run outside and dance on the top of the steps for the whole world to see. And so I can understand a little bit of Michael's embarrassment when she looks at David and he's dancing down the middle of the road. But here's the problem. God had moved on his heart. And David had already experienced it. Nope, I'm not going to do this halfway. If I'm going to give God something, I'm going to give him my best. And Michael despised him, and she told him about it too. She goes, you look like a fool. We're going to have to do it in front of critics. The forgiven woman faced the same thing. If you go to Luke chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wipe his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Who does she think she is to get down on the floor and embarrass her, embarrass me? You know, for a long time, I thought, the most dangerous part of being critical of people was criticizing what they were were doing. What they, excuse me, was criticizing what they didn't do. As a praise leader, I'll, I'm going to give you guys a glimpse into the the ugliness of my heart. You look at they're not raising their hands, they're not singing the song, they're not dancing. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They're not doing this. That is ugly. It's my job to inspire that, if that's what's right. Why? Because I'm a member of the family. Why? Because I'm supposed to be offering true praise. I'm supposed to be giving God glory while inspiring my family. What does it matter if my family isn't doing what they're supposed to do? I'm not going to judge that. I'm not going to be critical of that. I'm going to think the best of them. Say that's their best praise right now. I'll tell you, sometimes I look out, Like, boy, if that's their best praise, we need to get the EKG off the wall and do some heart monitoring. (laughs) Lord, forgive me. But the converse of that is true. We can't be critical of what people aren't doing. You better not be critical of what people are doing. You better not be critical of what people are doing. I'd long for the day when we come to the end of ourselves in a service and our best praise looks something like shouting and weeping and dancing. Not other people, you. You. You shouting, you weeping, you dancing. When we come to a place where we can't express it, our our words fall short. And the spirit moves on our heart. And instead of saying, "Ah," I'm going to push that down. We actually answer this question, is he worthy? Does he deserve it? Does he command it? I will hold back nothing because I ought to praise the Lord. I ought to praise the Lord. And if I ought to praise the Lord, I ought to offer him my best praise. We have to praise rightly and it has to come from true worshipers. What's the what's the litmus test for true praise? We already read about it. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We're not going to dive into what all of that is because that is a soapbox that's dangerous for me to stand on. We're supposed to sing to the Lord. So what's the litmus test? What songs are approved? This is also a soapbox, so I'm going to fight hard to stay with my notes here. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the first thing that he lists in all of that is the qualifier for all of the other things. Whatever is true. True praise is just that, church. True praise is offered from true worshipers, and true praise is just that. It's true praise. It's based in truth. With a little study and searching, it becomes clear that true praise is not a specific genre or a specific song or a specific dance. Two questions are all we need to prove. What is legitimate praise to prove what is true praise? And here's the first question. Are you ready? Is it true? That's the first question. The second is this. Does it give glory to God? If it's yes and it's yes, guess what? It's legitimate. Doesn't matter who wrote it. Doesn't matter why they wrote it. If it's true, if it gives glory to God. It is legitimate praise because every worship song that's been written by man was written from somebody who was not worthy and didn't have the right intentions so if that's going to be the test you 're not going to be able to sing anything matter of fact the least the last song you're going to be able to sing is one that you write because you wrote it for yourself now, Zach I, I feel the I feel the battle coming here I know that's harsh i 'm saying that to contrast the reality of what is true and what gives glory to God. That is legitimate praise. We're going to go to children's church for a minute for a minute. I say this with the kids, if it's a true thing, it's a God thing. And if it's a God thing, it's a good thing. So we're going to do it like this. I'm going to say if it's a true thing, you're going to say it's a God thing. And then I'm going to say if it's a God thing, you're going to say it's a good thing. So here we go. If it's a true thing, if it's a God thing, if it's a true thing, if it's a God thing, get off of your high horse. All of us, we need to get off our, our high horses and praise the Lord. When it starts being sung, oh, gosh, not shout to the Lord again. Graves into gardens. Oh, my gosh, I'm tired of these bones rattling. No, is it true? Yep. Is it giving glory to God? It's worthy of my best effort then. That's it. That's it. It's worthy of our best effort. One last thing before we move on. So what does that mean for the song or dance? What does that mean for the song or dance? I'm going to give you guys a humble carpenter's perspective. Songs are a tool used for worship. That's it. Songs are a tool. The song doesn't worship God. The song doesn't offer praise. People praise song is just a tool. Not all tools fit each person's hand. And though they have the same basic form and are, ten- are intended for the same function, a tool can be as different and individual as the person using it. The tool is not the work, but merely a means of accomplishing the work it's assigned assigned to us. If the quality is poor, well, it's a poor craftsman who blames his tools. I got a favorite hammer. Spent a lot of money on that hammer. And if I go to frame a house, guess what hammer I want? I want my favorite. I want that one because I'm going to swing it good. I'm going to swing it true. I'm going to be efficient. But you know what else? That hammer is not the point of what I'm doing. What I'm building is the point. So if I have the dinkiest little hammer, if that's all I have, guess what I need to do? I need to have a good attitude, grab that little hammer and go to work. If you don't like the songs, guys, I say this with If you don't like the songs, if you don't like the tempo, if you don't like how loud it is, we need to say, shut up. O my soul, and praise the Lord. We ought to praise the Lord because He is worthy. He deserves it. He commands it. Let's not be poor craftsmen. We've been called to praise the Lord. Let's not blame our tools. Let's show up and say, is it true? Yes. Does it give glory to God? Yes. I will give my best. That's the call. That's the aim. To give glory to God and not just give him glory, but to give him our best. That's true praise. That's right praise. Being right with God and offering what is true. We have to praise him rightly. We have to praise him sincerely. What does that mean? With conviction and purpose that transcends our emotions, our situation, our culture, dot, dot, dot conviction and purpose that goes beyond all of those things you're like hold up how am I supposed to praise rightly without emotion I'm glad you asked we're going to talk about it because it's one of the hardest things we'll have to do reading your Bible when you don't feel like it is hard praying when you don't feel like it is hard praising when you don't like the songs is hard that doesn't matter if he's worthy if it's true We ought to be doing it and we ought to be doing it with conviction and purpose because that's how we offer our best. What is our best? Think about it. What did the forgiven woman have? She had her tears. She had her hair. She had perfume. She poured it out. She poured it out. She was moved. To give her best. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in a prison cell. All the way at the very bottom, about midnight, what happens? They start praising the Lord. They didn't feel like it. I'm just going to, they didn't feel like it. Maybe they were inspired for it, but if, if I put Zach Dawson in that cell, Zach Dawson don't feel like it. But he was worthy. The reason that they were there was good. Was it a good situation? No, it was terrible. Were their emotions probably there? No, probably not. Was culture with them? No. Were there critics all around? Absolutely. So what did they do? They determined it's the right time praise the Lord If we're going to offer our praise it better be our best praise even if that's just a whisper what happens when they begin to praise the Lord you guys know the story see the sincerity is in doing the right thing for the right reason remember that right intentions the sincerity is in doing the right thing for the right reasons that's how we show love and devotion John chapter 15 verses 9 through 14 the words of Jesus he says this if you love me obey me that's how you prove you're my friend not seeing with emotion. If you love me, obey me. My kids hate that. Because <laughs> I'm like, you can tell me anything that you want to. But if you really love me, you'll obey me. And that's hard. That's a hard thing. I'm not saying it's not. But that's truth. Our sincerity is proven in our obedience. Obedience is an action that follows belief. If we believe in God, if we believe he's worthy, if we believe he deserves it, if we believe we should give our best, then we should obey. And it doesn't matter what our emotions or what the situation or what our circumstances are around us, what the critics are saying. It is right for us to praise. And so we have to obey. We have to say the holy shut up, oh, my soul. Oh, my complaints and get with it. Praise the Lord. And I'm talking about a church service. This is heavy. It's applicable to our personal lives, but I'm talking about on a Sunday morning when we come in. We ought to praise the Lord with sincerity. Faith is demonstrated in obedience. Faith isn't demonstrated in emotional responses. Think about that. Faith is demonstrated in obedience, not in emotional responses. So something common in our culture would be like, well, if you don't feel it, don't do it because it's not real. That's a lie. That's a lie. Bold lie. Think about those Old Testament sacrifices. One little lamb, you got to feed it. Who feels like feeding a sheep every morning? Nobody feels like doing something every morning. You guys agree with it? Taking care of it, grooming it, all of that. Walking all the way into the city, making a sacrifice. Your, your heart might be right in the moment, but there's times when you were working up to offer that sacrifice of praise, that it was hard, that it was stinky, there was a lot of work, and it was expensive. It cost. That was Old Testament. Guess what? Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament, not do away with it. He didn't come to make the sacrifice cheaper. He came to make it personal so that we could offer the sacrifice, our sacrifice of praise. He didn't come to make it easy on us. He came to up the ante. Don't give me things. Give me you. And we are saying amen. But we're about to sing here in a few minutes and I want to see what that really means for us. What does that really mean for us? I'm crying because it's such a high calling and I fall short of it. I'm not preaching what I am church. I'm preaching what I know God wants for us. We have to be sincere and we've got to be willing to offer our best No matter whether we feel like it or not, because he is worthy, because he deserves it, because he commands it, we ought to praise the Lord rightly, sincerely. And our last point is completely. Think about what Jesus said in the Shema. Mark 12 again. Jesus answered, the most important thing is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. We got to praise him rightly. We have to praise him sincerely. Church. Just like David on his second attempt. Just like the forgiven woman in her alabaster jar. We have to praise him with all. Our best praise is all. All our affection. All our devotion. All of our intention. All of our actions. All of our relationships with our church family. Why did David... Offer so much to the Lord? Because that's what he had. That's what he had. If you have blessed with much, guess what you're called to praise with? Much. And if not, we're not even going to go into that. Let's just leave it at the command. If you're blessed with much, you're called to praise with much. What did the forgiven woman, what did she praise with? All she had. All her tears, her physical beauty, the one possession. Think about Jesus sitting at the temple watching people give their offerings. Remember that? The lady comes up. She gives her two mites, and he says something like, she's given more than everybody else. Why? Because she gave all. So the call is simple. What's your best praise this morning? What's my best praise? Really simple. Simple. It's all you've got, all of it, heart, soul, mind, strength, relationships. ooh, oh, well, that gets added in there. remember heart, soul, mind, strength, relationships. we got to be right with God and right with each other. That's where true praise begins to flow from. You can't separate it. We can't separate it. How do we offer true praise? It's got to be right. It's got to be sincere. It's got to be complete. So my question this morning is, what do you have? What do we have? And what is he worth? There's disappointment, discouragement, and heartbreak in this place this morning. It's empty. There's also joy, love, and abundance, security, health, wholeness. Those are all represented here. God's not asking you to do something you can't do, He's just asking you to be realistic and say, Are you doing what you should do with what? You have. Whether it's two mites. Or thousands of bulls and rams. If that's your all. If that's your best. Offer it. Because that's what he's worthy of. Why? Because we ought to praise the Lord. With whatever we have. We ought to praise the Lord. That's the aim. I'm done. Renita, you guys will come. That's the aim in our service. When we come together. Is in our worship times, we would give glory to God and inspire each other to offer our best praise. And not be critical of what each other, each person's best praise is. Let's get the log out of our own eye first and say, what's my best praise in this moment? What's my best praise? And then follow it up. Is he worthy of it? And if he's worthy and it's our best, then give it. Not based on what's being sung. Not based on how it's being played. Based on who God is.